This message was presented at the GYC to the End in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. <laughs> All right. Let's have prayer. Eternal Father in heaven, you are right here with us. You impressed each person here to come to this seminar at this time for a reason. And Lord, I pray that we'll be able to share simple tools that will help more and more and more people be workers in the harvest and more and more people be agents for you and more and more people see what a beautiful movement this is that they can unite with very rapidly. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the title of this particular seminar is How to Share the Adventist Message in 30 Seconds. Could you ask everybody if they raise their hand if they have a seat open? Oh, okay. If you have an open seat near you, raise your hand. That way we'll help. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. And if, if you're from parts of Asia where I've traveled, you can sit right up here or other places here. So just make yourself at home anywhere. Okay. And we'll fill in all the empty seats, and then we don't mind standing room only and all the rest. Here we go. This lady has two seats. It's not that she's Pentecostal, okay? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she... I believe in Pentecost. Okay. So come on in. There's some seats right up here. We saved the expensive ones for you. Okay. And a few hands that are here mean there's seats there, too, okay? So follow the raised hand. Follow the leaders. There we go. And you got some right back here, over here. All right. Come on in. Come on in. Like I said earlier, there's room for everyone here, just like heaven. So come on in. Come on in. Yeah, if you have any, follow people, they raise their hands because they want to sit by you. Okay. Awesome. And I'm going to designate all of you. If you're sitting on these two seats anywhere near this door, keep an eye out for people right there and see you can get to them first to welcome them and help them find a place, even if you give up your seat so they can, you know, whatever you need to do. Okay? (laughs) This is how it should be in church, right? So when people come in, they don't have to look around. If they left their comfort zone to come to ours, we need to do what we can to leave our comfort zone to go to them. All right? Great. Come on in. Come on in. There's room right up here on the floor. There's room along the side there. The back. Come on in. Yes, there are three chairs right here and a table to sit on. Okay. Yes. There's room for everyone. I had the privilege of pastoring, while people were getting settled, I had the privilege of pastoring the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church on the north side of Dallas, and it was on fire for Jesus. It was, it's so exciting to be a part of a church that's on fire for Jesus. We did some simple things there and saw that church just grow and grow and grow, and in the six and a half years I was there, it was already growing before I got there, and God is at work. We went from 600 members to 970 members and planted three churches along the way. And my last three seminars will be about some of the little simple things we did that can be done in any church of any size, any culture, anywhere. Okay? That's going to be the last three. The first three seminars are how you can share individually. The last three are how your church can grow and multiply like God intended. Okay? So, but at Richardson... We got seating like this. It was like this. There were no seats. And so, so I would be in the lobby trying to help people find seats. And my wife would be helping try to find seats. And we'd already had a second service. And now both of them were full. And, and we saw some people leaving just before the second service. And my wife said, why are you leaving? They said, we don't have a seat. We said, well, we'll find some. No, no, no. Both of us were sitting in one of the chairs in the aisle, but when we got up to use the restroom, we came back and two other people were sitting there. (laughs) Now, I believe God intends that for our churches. Now, some churches are overbuilt. Some churches should never have been built that big. They need to be built smaller so we multiply churches, okay? So we're not just trying to fill up these big, vacuous buildings, 
we may need to sell that building and, and plant three or four churches. Okay? Now, some of you may know, too. Is this being recorded? Okay. I'm going to turn this off for a moment. Now that we have more people here, we'll get started again. We'll have one more invitation for the Lord to open our hearts. He's already here. Let's pray. Lord, you are here. Open our hearts. Save us from distractions so that we can grasp whatever you have for us. And Lord, take my five loaves and two fish and multiply it to feed many. In Jesus' name, amen. How to share the Adventist message in 30 seconds. You'll be done with this seminar very soon and can go to another seminar. (laughs) Now, we're going to talk a little bit about why. Read this with me, everybody together. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I'm going to unpack this, but uh, right now I want to focus on gospel. This gospel of the kingdom. What is that gospel? In the three angels message in Revelation 14, it talks about the everlasting gospel. There aren't different gospels in different dispensations like a lot of Christians have been taught. There are not different ways to be saved in the Old Testament than the New Testament than today. There was only one way to ever be saved, and that is to put your trust fully in the only one who can be your savior. Okay, And now in the Old Testament time, they had sacrifices to remind them a Savior was coming so they could put their trust in Him. After that, we know about Jesus and we put our trust fully in the only one who can save us. Okay, So these are important things to know what the gospel is. Thank you. We don't want any dry presenters, right? Okay, so the gospel. How can we take this everlasting gospel and explain it in less than eternity? Okay, what do we say? How do we say it simply to whet people's appetite where they want more? I'd like to learn more about your church. I don't want to know more about your church, you know, but where they want to know more. So here we go. What will it take? Are you and your church on the 500-year plan or the 10-year plan to take the Adventist message to everyone in your territory and beyond? I want you to think about that. As you look at how you live your life, are you on the 500-year plan to help people get ready for Jesus to come? You know, well, I, I shared my faith one time three years ago and had a wonderful time. And maybe I'll do it again after GYC to a couple people on the way home. That's the 500-year plan. The 10-year plan is, Lord, raise up workers for the harvest. Make me one of them. And as I go forward, help me to invite other people to be part of it. And to do that, we need simple ways to live for Jesus. So if you have zero dollars in your bank account or your pocket, you can still be a missionary for Jesus. Okay? So we're going to look at that. Here's a license plate I had when I was in Kansas a number of years ago. So I was... <clears throat> you recognize anything? A bunch of random letters and numbers there, right? Except they're not too random. All right. So I got this on purpose. This wasn't just, you know, it wasn't kind of miraculously assigned to a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. I paid a little extra so that I could be a witness through my license plate. So I got this license plate, 
And I was in a copy center in Kansas City, where I was pastoring at the time. And in walks a guy and he says, hey, whose license plate is that out there? LV2BSDA. What is that? And I said, well, it stands for love to be SDA. He said, what's SDA? And I said, it stands for Seventh-day Adventist. He said, what's that? What would you say? What would you say? I want you to take a moment and turn to the people beside you. And if somebody said, what is a Seventh-day Adventist? Practice right now in 30 seconds. See, see how far you get. Go right now. Okay, time's up. Time's up. So how'd that go? Okay, I would like to hear, though, from maybe four or five of you, just very briefly and succinctly, some of the things you said. You don't have to say the whole spiel, but what, what are some of the things that you identified as wanting to communicate as being, what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist? Just raise your hand. Let me... I, yes. Sure, just speak loud and I'll repeat it for the recording. Seventh day means that they believe that the seventh day is Sabbath. Okay, and there is a very good, succinct way. If you didn't hear it, seventh day means they, he said, are you a seventh day Adventist? You might say we, okay. <laughs> seventh day means that we believe in the seventh day is the Sabbath, and Adventist means that we believe that Jesus is, how did you put it? The second coming. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Great start. Yes. Okay. Followers of Jesus. There you go. Very good. Um, I used to say that we're Christians. We take the Bible as written. Okay. So we, God's word, God's word alone. Rather than just relying on other like outside Okay. We t- we're Christians who take the Bible as God's word rather than relying on other things. Yes. Okay, there you go. Did you hear that? It's all about Jesus. Jesus at creation. And by the way, it is kind of interesting if you never thought about it. Seventh day talks about the beginning and Adventist talks about the end as we know it. So this is how to live between those two. Okay, yes. A group of people that love God. Great. Okay. All right. She said uh, we uh, a positive and a negative. One is that we believe in the Sabbath, and another is that we don't believe in an eternal burning hell. And in one of the seminars, I think it's the um, well, the one tomorrow morning on how to share the Adventist message in thirty minutes. Um, that I'm going to tell a story about how important it is to be able to articulate that. Okay. I, one more. One more. Okay, a Christian movement that puts a lot of importance in prophecy and worships on the Sabbath, on the Seventh-day Sabbath. Okay, all of these are good. And, and I think most of us who've been an Adventist for a while kind of know bits and pieces, and we probably had some conversations with somebody somewhere. Okay, so when I was asked, what is a Seventh-day Adventist? In that coffee, uh, that coffee, that coffee center in Kansas City, I kind of grabbed at some of the things that you shared here and tried to share. And then I told this man, I said, I'm the pastor of a Seventh day Adventist church here in Kansas City, and I'd like to invite you to come to my church. And he said, You don't want me. And I said, We want everybody. You don't want me. I run some adult websites. Now, adult really means adultery websites. You know that, right? 
Okay, it's nothing adult about pornography. Okay, and so he said, "I run," and I said, "Then you really need to come." <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and he said, "You?" And I said, "Yes, you need to come." Now, to my knowledge, today he's a Seventh Day Adventist event. No, it doesn't always go that way. Okay, but we are going to keep the word going out. And we will find out in heaven a lot more, and God will show us little glimpses here on earth of what we did. Okay? So that, so anyway, to my knowledge, he never came to the church while I was pastoring there. Some people slip in and slip out, and you can't keep track of them. But it caused me to say, I need a better, quick response to this question that is positive and inviting. Okay? Because so many people, if they hear about Seventh-day Adventists, want to say, oh, that's good for you, but my religion is this. My church is this, your church is this. And then they want to get into some debate on which church is better. And we that doesn't help anybody. So I said, Lord, how can we do this? How can we do this? And I began to pray it through. And God started giving me a few key ideas linked together. And it's really based on the three angels' message of Revelation 14. The three angels' message says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. Okay, it needs to have something to do, have the everlasting gospel in there. Something in there. Having the everlasting gospel to give to those who dwell on the earth, to Every nation, language, tribe, and people. So this is something that is not just for us. It's for everyone in the world and not just for Christians. In some countries, we work hard to try to prove we're Christians. And that works against us in other countries of the world. Okay, so so how do we do this? How do we navigate this? So something that would... in have to do with everlasting gospel and something that could be used in any part of the world with some adaptation because it's going to go everywhere. something that's inviting. And then the message continues, first angel's message, saying with a loud voice, so this needs to go everywhere, fear God, not be afraid of God. You know, there are two kinds of fear. One kind of fear of God has you back away from God. The other kind of fear has you bow in reverence to God. That's the kind of fear that we all need of God. You are God and I am not. Okay? Not you are God and you're going to hurt me. Okay? Those are, so fear God. Take Him seriously and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come. Not something in the past, not something in the future, is come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of water. Oh, there's creation, which includes the Sabbath. Okay? It was uh, God, those God who created the world in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested, blessed, and made it holy or sanctified it. So something about that. But then there's a contrast with a second angel. It says, there's another angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Whenever there's a repeating in the Bible, it means, you better be listening, buddy. It's kind of like your mom or dad. You better be listening. I said this twice. Clean your room. Okay, whatever it is. Okay, so Babylon has fallen, is fallen, that great city. because she, And we understand that Babylon is mixing false with the true. Okay? Rat poison is 98% food and 2% poison. And it kills rats. And truth, God's truth, can't be 98% truth and 2% Poison from Babylon, or it'll kill you spiritually and maybe eternally. Okay? So here's this contrast of two groups some that more and more are becoming sensitized and wanting to worship the Creator God and take Him seriously and not tie in to any of this Babylon stuff, this false stuff. They don't, we don't want that. Okay? And then the third angel starts with the word if, meaning we have freedom of choice. If any man, nobody has to, if anyone worships the beast in his image, and it goes on through, and it contrasts a group that do worship the beast in his image and have the mark with those who, on the other hand, here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. 
So we want to have to realize we can choose to not go with a man-made system, but we can accept being learning to have endurance with Jesus and keep all of God's commandments because we have faith from Jesus and in Jesus. Okay? So I've kind of wrestled with this after that question in that copy center. And six months later, it's a nice day in Kansas City. My windows are rolled down. I'm sitting at the stoplight. And a carload of teenagers, carload of teenagers pull up in a convertible to the stoplight right there. And one of the girls yells out, what does your license plate mean? Now he's ready. Okay? And I said, it stands for love to be Seventh-day Adventist. She said, what's that? And I said, we believe that everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, embraced the Bible as God's voice to them and asked God to change them to live that way and got together with other people like that to tell the whole world Jesus loves them and he's coming again soon. She said, cool. And the light changed and we went. <laughs> and there it is in 30 seconds, you're dismissed. No, okay. So I just want to unpack this a little bit, Okay. These are adaptations, but this is a way you can share it, but it, don't memorize it just like this and then just do, we believe that everybody in the world would be happier and better. No, 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 no. This needs to be something from your heart shared to other people in your way adapted for the situation. So we believe that everyone in the world... Now, here, this changes everything. This is not saying... We believe this, or our church believes this, or this is who we are. This is inviting every nation, tribe, language, and people group. Okay? You see what I'm saying? You see that piece of it? We believe everyone in the world. This is inclusive. Everybody's invited. Okay? We believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off. Happier. A lot of people are looking for happiness. But a lot of people have given up on any hope of having happiness and all they want to do is to survive. So when you say, we believe everybody in the world would be happier, they write that off and you say, and better off. Well, maybe that would help me. You see that? You see those two pieces there? Happier and better off are two different things based on the mindset of the person we're sharing with. So we just share both of them. Everyone would be happier and better. Everyone in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Now, never separate these two. Jesus is our Savior and Lord if we surrender to Him. Savior deals with our past and our future. Lord deals with the present. Lord means I want you to be in charge of every part of my life. Even those hidden things and those bad things and those things I'm not sure I want to give up. I really want you to be in charge. That's what Lord is. Savior is, help me, help me, help me. And he saves me. And we say, Lord, I turn all of my past over to you. And part of the everlasting gospel is that Jesus will take all the garbage of your past, all of it, even those horrible things you want nobody to ever find out. And he'll take it all away in one swat. And he already did at the cross. You just need to let it go. Let it go to him. Okay? That's past. And then future. When we come to Jesus, he turns to Gabriel and says, start another mansion. Somebody new's headed up here. Something like that. Okay? So we are secure in Jesus. In Christ, we can have everything we need we can become everything we need to become. And our past is taken care of. It's like every time we do something wrong, we have a bag of garbage. Every time we do something wrong, think something wrong, have a bad attitude, we're putting another piece of garbage in that bag and it gets heavier and stinkier all the time. And when we truly come to Jesus, Jesus says, I'll take all of that garbage because I died for all of it on the cross. And that is no time to say, well, I'll give you this piece, but I kind of want to keep this piece and I want to 
and this person wronged me and I want to hold on to that grudge or else I can't. No, just turn it all over. And a past is taken care of. That's Savior. And then he says, I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. That he's going to save us out of this world. Jesus really saves us in three ways. He saves us from our past, the penalty of sin. He saves us in the present, the power of sin. And he saves us in the future from the presence of sin. You see that? It's a full gospel, everlasting gospel. Jesus, everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Do you believe that? Tell somebody beside you. Tell them right now. Practice. Okay, tell somebody beside you that you think everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Just tell them. You were at my rebaptism. Yes, I remember in San Antonio. Awesome, awesome. Teresa. Okay. Hmm? Past, present, and future. Past is penalty. Present is power. And future. And future is presence of sin. Take us out of a world of sin. Okay, another way of looking at it is he takes out the garbage. He'll keep taking out the garbage and keep us from bringing so much in and he'll take us out of a world of garbage. Okay? Okay. Good. Now, the, now when, the, when the person beside you told you that they believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, did it look like they meant it? Good. Because you want to be able to say this, not by rote, but because you mean it. You begin realizing and grasping that this is, wow. Using the bag of garbage analogy, not only when we first surrender to Jesus do we give him the whole bag of garbage, but in the present, he will keep taking out the garbage, but he'll also show us how to not bring so much garbage in. You know, I'm amazed when I walk in my neighborhood how many people have huge amounts of things to recycle and they feel good that they're recycling. And I thought, well, why do you bring it in the first place? <laughs> you don't have to have that much garbage to recycle. You know, just tone it down. <laughs> okay. And then in the future, he's going to take us out of a world full of garbage and make it new. So there are a lot of simple analogies we can use. So we've just looked at the first two bullets and now we're going to unpack the next two. Okay. Embrace the Bible as God's voice speaking to them and ask the Lord to help them live by it. Isn't that a novel thought? Okay? So embrace doesn't mean, well, I'm going to pick and choose and every so often I'm going to check out the Bible and I'm I'm busy this week, but by Sabbath I'll have a little time to get into the Bible. No. If this is God's voice speaking to me, I need it every day. I I need this. I, I need it. I need to hear from him before I go out and make all kinds of mistakes. Ellen White says a very interesting thing. She says the time devoted to Bible study and prayer will bring a hundredfold return. Let me put it, break it down for you. For every 30 minutes you spend listening to God in Bible study and talking to him in prayer, you're going to save yourself 50 hours of mistakes. Okay? 30 minutes, 50 hours is 1 to 100. Okay? 100 full return. It's like the kid said, Teacher, I was late to school because I didn't have time to get on the bicycle. I was in such a hurry. I pushed it all the way here. It's not thinking. Or the guy who's trying to chop down the tree. And somebody said, If you sharpen that axe, you'll cut down a whole lot more trees. He says, I don't have time. I don't have time. You know, we go about our lives as if the Bible is just kind of over there and we're going to live our lives and grab from it little morsels or nuggets. No, we need it. That's God's voice. So embrace is a powerful word. It's not dabble. It embraces to hug. I hug the Bible as God's voice. I want it. I know I need it. Embrace the Bible as God's voice speaking to me. And then ask the Lord to help me live by it. Okay? To live by it. It's not just knowledge. I can debate with you and I can debate. Oh, yeah, give me some Jehovah's Witness. I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me some Mormons. I'm ready. No, no, no. 
Help me to have it integrated into my life. Never let a day go by that you don't have something from God's word that changes your life. That you can share simply with somebody else. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And you become a channel of living water from God to thirsty people. Okay? So embrace the Bible as God's voice. Most Christians think that they're doing that. And they have no clue that the Bible says something different from what they've been taught. Okay? So we don't go there right now and say, yes, but we keep the Sabbath and you don't. And you're the, we're right and you're wrong because the Bible's... We're not there yet. This is a 30-second Adventist message, okay? We'll impact that piece later. There are too many people who think witnessing is starting with something that they aren't doing right. Wrong. <laughs> Start with things that are in common that sound exciting, that people think, I want more of that. I want more of that. Okay? It's more like you can have one little bite of apple pie, and let me know if you want another, more than, you know, you really need to eat your collard greens and your Brussels sprouts, and you need a lot more of them if you're ever going to be saved. Okay, you see the difference in mentality there? Okay? It's inviting. Um, we, Ellen White says we should present Jesus as one who is attractive to follow. So embrace the Bible as God's voice speaking to them and ask the Lord to help them live by it. And by the way, once you understand all 28 fundamentals, you're not done. I was in college my junior year, and I'm a fifth-generation Seventh-day Adventist, son of an Adventist pastor, grandson of an Adventist pastor, and my life was coming apart. It was a mess. Because I knew the Bible, but I wasn't really asking the Lord to help me live by the Bible. And finally, I talked to a godly person who listened to my messed up life. And he listened well. And one of the greatest gifts we can give to anybody is to listen to him. People don't listen nowadays. Do you hear what I said? Okay, good. Okay. And he listened to me. And then he said, you know, Dan, there's a book about Jesus' life called The Desire of Ages. And inside I'm saying, yeah, 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 I, I know, I know, I know. Know all that. And he says, and it says something like this Our lives may seem a tangle. And I thought, he was listening. <laughs> this life is messed up right now. My life is messed up. But as we commit them to the Master, He will weave a beautiful pattern in them. And I remember distinctly thinking, forget the beautiful pattern. I just want a few less tangles. Everybody in the world would be happier and better off. I was at the better off thing because I'd given up on the happiness thing. And I said, but how? And he said, time alone at the beginning of every day seeking Jesus through Bible study and prayer. And I said, well, I know more about the Bible than any of my friends. I was pretty good at memorizing memory verses in elementary school and in academy and in college. And here I am. And then he said something where the light flipped on. He said, Dan, perhaps you have a lot of knowledge, but you don't have a relationship with the one who wrote it. And I knew he was speaking truth. And I didn't say amen. I said, ouch. I had a lot of knowledge, but I didn't have a relationship with the one who wrote it. That's why accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord is the first piece. And the next piece is embrace the Bible as God's voice speaking to them and ask the Lord to help them live by it. So I said, so what do I do? And he said, well, I recommend you each day start the day and start with one of the Gospels. Maybe Mark. It's the shortest one, simplest. You're not there to read a lot. You're just there to say, Lord, show me something that will help me today and help me to put it into practice. And read just one story, not a whole chapter, just one story and stop and imagine where you fit in that story. Who are you in that story? What would you be doing? And then ask God to show you what you need and thank him for it and take it out and live it. And if possible, share it with somebody else that day. And I went and determined to do that. And I did that every day for the next three days. 
until I got distracted. You ever been there? And then I got distracted and started running off the rails again. And then I came back again, did it for another few days, and then I got off the rails. And then I got back. You know, the Lord is merciful. He is here in the business of getting us back on track. And that's a lot of what ministry is about, is helping people get back on track. And so he helped me, and I bumped along and bumped along and bumped along. But during that next semester is when I signed up to go as a student missionary to Korea. And I can't say it's perfect from there on, but I know that I keep praying for consistency in my walk with the Lord and embracing God's Word. And God will help us become more and more consistent. And if you have head knowledge and you don't know the one who wrote it, you came to the right seminar right now, haven't you? This is where you're at. And you just say, Lord, please take all of me and help me to learn to be consistent in listening to your voice. Keep changing me, speaking to my heart. Is that making sense? Okay, now we're going to go to that last one. And united with godly people. Okay? And by the way, many people in the world realize, even if they're not godly, that there's a difference between godly people and ungodly people. Many of them know that a lot of ungodly people are in churches. And that's one reason why some people who are seeking God don't go to church. So that's one reason why our job isn't to try to get people in church as much as it is to get them connected with Jesus. And if they can do that at church, that's fine. But if they've had bad experiences at church, do it outside church building. Okay? You are the church. You go out. Jesus said, go. He didn't just say, keep saying, come, come, come. Go. Too many churches are more interested in building attendance than winning people to Jesus and the Bible and godly people, okay? So we shift our focus to these areas, all right? United with godly people, not against going to church. And if you don't go to church, start going to church. (laughs) But the key is having that connection. United with godly people to tell the whole world that Jesus loves them and he's coming soon and to encourage each other in holy living, godly living. Okay, so what you really have is you have four pieces in this whole thing. You have everyone in the world happier and better off. You have Jesus and all it means for him. You have the Bible and embracing it, asking God to help change. And godly people is another way of saying God's final movement, the remnant church, the Seventh-day Adventist movement. That's what you really talked about. You have 30, you have 30 seconds and that, that'll do it. So, my wife and I, uh, summer before this past one, were on a plane coming back from Puerto Rico where our son's in-laws live and minister. We spent a week with them and seen some of the beaches, had a good time. We're flying back to Texas on Southwest Airline. Southwest Airline has open seating. You pick your seat. The whole plane filled up, and the only empty seat on the entire plane was between my wife and I. Yes, we love each other, but she prefers an aisle and I prefer a window. I can sleep while we're traveling and she can get out to the restroom if she needs to. So the only open seat is the one right between us. And that's fine. We can talk to each other, whatever. And then the last passenger got on. It's this guy right here. Okay. And in my early days, I would have said, bummer. Nowadays, I say, I wonder why God sent him. Captive audience for several hours. (laughs) But start with 30 seconds. Got it? Start with 30 seconds. So I met Joseph right here. And Joseph sat between us and I sits down and I said, how are you? And he's fine. How are you? I said, doing fine. He said, "Um, my name's Dan. He says, my name's Joseph. I said, is that a Bible you have there? It had a big, thick book. He said, no, it's a prayer book. I said, wow, that's cool. I'm thinking, okay, let's find out more about this. I said, so do you live in Puerto Rico? No, I'm, I'm um, coming back from a week of vacation there. I said, we are too. And um, we got a little conversation, and then he turns to me and says, what kind of work do you do? And I said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Now, if I stop there, and you, of course, most of you are saying, well, that won't work for me because I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. 
but you are a Seventh-day Adventist, and if you aren't, we'll help you get baptized soon, okay? So, I mean that. I mean that. There's nothing. Jesus was baptized as an example to us. We follow Jesus. We want to be baptized. That's how it goes, okay? And so, so I, I'm thinking, here we are. And I said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. You could say I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And then I said, are you familiar with Seventh-day Adventists? Because I want to find out what they know. And no matter what they say, I'm going to tell what Seventh-day Adventists are. Because many of them think they know and they don't know. I've had people say, well, yes, I visited your temple in Salt Lake City. (laughs) I've had others say, "Um, yes, I'm familiar, but I never understood why you don't believe in blood transfusions. I said, well, it's Jehovah's Witnesses, you know. And so people think they know and they don't know. Or they know, but they don't really know. Yeah, my ex-wife is Seventh-day Adventist. (laughs) Well, you know, they don't really know, okay? That was the guy across the street from us where we live now, by the way, okay? (laughs) That's what I found out. Ex-wife is Seventh-day Adventist. No, he didn't want any glow tracks, okay? So anyway, (laughs) that's a whole other seminar. So, I, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Are you familiar with Seventh-day Adventist? And he says, well, a little bit. And I said, we believe that everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus. Now, I looked at him, and I assumed that he knew about Jesus. In some parts of the world, I say it a little different. I'll explain that in just a few minutes. Okay? I said, we believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord if they embrace the Bible as God's voice speaking to them and ask God to help them live according to it, and then they united with other like-minded people to encourage each other to live for Jesus and to take the good news to all the world that Jesus loves them and that he's coming again soon. And Joseph says, I could agree to all of those. And so you know what I said? Because he just walked in. Walked into the invitation. I said, then you'd make a great Seventh-day Adventist. Okay? You see what I'm saying? That I, I could agree. I believe that. Well, you'd make a great Seventh-day Adventist. That is the first time that most people have ever thought of being a Seventh-day Adventist, whether they knew about it or not, when you say that. Because you found common ground. You didn't start with uncommon ground. You started with common ground. And they think, yes, yes, yes. Well, you'd make a great Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, what's that? Thank you for asking. Now we go to the five-minute version. <laughs> okay? All right. So, I turned, he said, I said, you'd make a great Seventh Avenue. What kind of work do you do? And he says, I'm a Catholic priest. <laughs> and I said, Awesome. I love it when Catholic priests become Seventh-day Adventists. I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him that, but I love it. So we had a wonderful conversation on how God calls you and how he sensed God's call and how we spend time getting into the word of God to find out what truth is and why different things are important. And we know we didn't. I know it was several hours, but we didn't cover the mark of the beast yet. Okay. But I discovered that Joseph had been teaching in a Catholic high school about 10 miles from where I lived. He'd done that for about seven years. And at the end of the seven years, he was headed to Catholic University in Washington, D.C. to get a Ph.D. in religious history. And the parents of his students had appreciated him so much they'd raised money and sent him to Puerto Rico for a week so that he could sit beside me on the way back. (laughs) Never underestimate what God does. Never underestimate. And by the way, every day say, God, use me somehow today and help my eyes to be open to see it. Because God will use you right here in this place. There are staff in these places that we need to be kind to and love and share and witness to. There will be people around the city as you go out witnessing this afternoon, as we go out witnessing. So that was Joseph's experience, and we had a wonderful visit. He is a Facebook friend. We keep in touch from time to time. And he says, as I do my research, would it be okay if maybe we collaborated on some things? And I said, I would enjoy that. 
like to share a little church history with him from another perspective, okay? So that's where it was. So I'm just trying to share with you what can be. In September of this year, I was in Denver talking to a group of Adventist Korean pastors and church leaders about some of these things. And in the shuttle bus from the airport, from the hotel to the airport, when I was done, there were these Korean pastors who had just heard me do the training. And there was a shuttle bus driver who is right here and this passenger. So these are the people on the shuttle. So I'm thinking, Lord, who should I witness to? I've already had hours with these guys. And now they're going to see if I really practice what I preach. So I said to the shuttle bus driver, I said, so um, how do you like driving the shuttle bus? He says, I love it. It's so relaxing compared to some of my previous jobs. Some people will just want to volunteer information. So what's the obvious question I should ask him? What were some of your previous jobs? Yeah. You see... People, if we ask a few questions, oftentimes it just opens, they're ready. Some people will say, none of your business. And then you say, okay, God bless you. Here's some glow tracks. Whatever, <laughs> that's it. Okay. You don't leave it that, but you, you know, a little bit. And so I said, and so he starts talking. I said, did you grow up here? Well, no, when I was a kid, my mom and I came here from somewhere else. Well, you know, that tells me single parent home. And, and so we begin, he just begins opening up. And as we're driving, fortunately, the airport's way out of Denver, so we had a little extra time. And so as we're driving along, I said, I, I said, so what's your religious background? This is part of the next seminar, by the way. I said, what's some of your religious background? And he said, well, I grew up Methodist. Um, now, I had a friend who was Jehovah's Witness. So I became a Jehovah's Witness for two years, and that didn't work at all. And I said, well, tell me about it. And so he begins to, I mean, there's no birthdays, no Christmas, no Easter. There's nothing fun. And I thought, okay. And about this time, we're pulling into the airport facility. And I knew that we need to wrap this up soon. But he's been doing most of the talking, and I thought, that's good. And I want to keep listening, but I want to help. And so as we're, as we're pulling up toward the terminal, he says, I'd mentioned that I was Seventh-day Adventist. And I said, have you ever heard of them? And he said, no. And then I told him what they are in 30 seconds. And he says, wow, I don't think I've ever met one of them in my life. Or, and then he said this interesting thing. Or if I have, they didn't say what you just said. You get the point? You see why this is important? You see how this can be dynamite and helpful? Because it allows you to let your light shine quickly and briefly in ways that will plant seeds that will, that God can water. Okay? And I said, well, we believe everybody in the world would be happier. And then he says, what does Seventh-day Adventists believe about Christmas and Easter? Now here we are, and I've got two minutes. Three minutes. And, um, and I said, Seventh-day Adventists believe that any time of the year is a great time to talk about Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Those are pagan holiday. No. We're building bridges, not walls. Okay. No, no I use the wrong word now. We're building bridges, not barriers. Okay. And so, so I said, we believe that any time, every day of the year is a great time to talk about Jesus. We believe that Christmas and Easter are not holy days. They are holidays. Holidays are man-made days, and you decide personally whatever you want to do with them. But holy days were given by a holy God that we need to honor and respect, like the seventh-day Sabbath each week. Kind of drop that one in there. He says, oh. And then the passenger says, and we're now stopped in the ter- at the terminal and about to open the door. And the passenger says, well, I'm Muslim. And he said, do you believe that Jesus really died at Easter? 
Now, Muslims are taught that Jesus didn't really die. That he, they thought he did, but he didn't, and he went back to heaven, and they believe he's coming again. A little different version, but there's some things there. And so I knew that, and I knew this was a great way to pick an argument. Do you believe that Jesus really died at Easter? And I just said, and many times when we do this, never think that what we're doing, what we do is this much, and what the Holy Spirit does is this much. Always remember that, okay? So it's not like, well, I learned to say those magic words, and I haven't seen any results. No, no, no. I surrendered to God. I asked him to show me somebody, and I now I have a few tools to use, and God gave me opportunity. You see that difference there? And so I just said, Lord, what do I say? Do you really believe that Jesus died on Easter? And I said, well, we might have a difference of opinion on that, but we believe that you really shouldn't eat pork or drink alcohol. You do? Wow, we believe that too. And I said, you want to learn more about Adventist. <laughs> I gave all of them glow tracks, and I said, check out Adventist.org slash beliefs to learn more, and let me have prayer with you. And this is the picture I took right after all of us prayed together at the back of the van. Okay? This happened in September. Now, before I'd gotten to see how simple it can be, that would have been way too confusing to try anything. But it's simple. It's simple. Now, in the last few minutes, let me wrap this up in, in a couple ways. Um, this afternoon, some of you will go out, and hopefully many, if not all of you, will go out. I'm planning to go out door to door looking for interests. And you'll do surveys and you'll do other things and all of that's good. Houston is more diverse than any other city in the United States now. Has more people from more countries and more cultures and more language groups than even New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago. This is the fourth largest city but more diverse. But there are still large pockets who are Texan. Proud Texan, or look more like me. And many of them are churched, and many of them are highly churched, and many of them belong to mega churches in this city who have been taught that Seventh day Adventists are a cult. Okay, so you need to know that. So two years ago, when we were we were going door to door, we had we could identify these people. Here's how. You open the door, you start with a survey, you get into anything religious, they say, what church are you from? What denomination are you? Okay, that's, that's your clue, okay? It's a fairly obvious clue, all right? And if you say Seventh-day Adventist, or you say, well, I'm Seventh-day Adventist, you know, something like that, if you do that, then, then it's all over, it's game over. Now, it still might be game over, but there are things that you can do to help somebody who might have a little drop of sincerity in their heart. Now, before I tell you what we learned to say, I also went with a group to follow up a lot of those interests. And we would sometimes find that a young person, let's say in their early 20s, had opened the door and hear other young people from GYC. They said, yeah, I want to study the Bible. Yeah, it's great, great, great. And then when an older person like me comes back, the father or the mother opens the door. We say, hey, we had this people, this uh, person who wanted Bible studies. That's my son. Who are you from? What church are you in? What denomination? Okay, so you get it today and you get it in the follow-up. So here is the simple answer of how to deal with that. Just ask the Lord to help you do it calmly and comfortably. So they say, what church are you from? What denomination? See if you can guess. We believe that everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, if they embraced the Bible as God's voice speaking to them and asked Him to help them live according to that. And then they got together with other believers to take the good news to all the world that Jesus loves them and He's coming again soon. And for some of them, they say, yes, but what church? But for others, they'll say, that's what we believe. And I said, that's what we're trying to encourage the whole city to believe. You see? So you still might have prejudice. And if they say, well, still, what church? 
We're Seventh-day Adventists. Well, that, that, seven, seven, and they have a hard time processing because they've been told Seventh-day Adventists don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't. And here you've just told them something, the opposite of what they were taught. So they have to deal with God on that one. But you see how this can help you? You see how that can help you? Now let me talk about other countries and other cultures. I do a fair amount of traveling in a certain part of the world. I won't mention because of sensitivities. But what I'm finding is that there are hundreds and thousands of people in those countries who are looking for something better. And in conversations with the ones who speak English, and many of them are learning English and wanting to learn more English, in those conversations, I adapt what I say to go more like this. We believe that everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they had a living connection with their loving creator. Because in that part of the world, they are taught that God is not loving. He's a creator, but you have to be, he's way off in the distance. You can't know him. You could never have a personal relationship with him. And you better behave or he might snuff you out. So all of a sudden, they've had introduced into their mind a whole different idea of their creator. We believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they had a living connection with their loving creator and embraced the scriptures instead of the Bible, embrace the scriptures as God's voice speaking to them and ask the Lord to change their life to live according to it. Many of you don't know that, at least in that part of the world, the holy book that they believe teaches that you ought to keep the seventh-day Sabbath. That that's the day. Somebody says, well, then why do they do things on Friday? The same reason why Christians do things on Sunday. Okay, And in that book is a phrase about people, the people of the book, who really follow the book, meaning the Bible, and don't just talk about it. Seventh-day Adventist movement is the people of the book. You are the people of the book. And so I say embrace the scriptures because I know there are ingredients in there that any sincere seeker could wind up finding more truth in and then united with other people to let the whole world know that Jesus loves them because they believe in Jesus and that he's coming again soon and they believe in that and it's something that'll be wonderful when we're ready for it and they want to know how okay now you can adapt that for other world religions etc in other countries and in this country so for this, we have how many minutes? Zero minutes to go. All right. Practice questions. TexasEvangelism.com has more information on all kinds of stuff. Let me have prayer with you. What I'd rather have you do is right now, turn to somebody that you didn't come to the seminar with and pray that God will use you today. Okay? Do that right now. And in about 30 seconds, I'll lead us in singing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and we'll be dismissed. Okay? Have prayer right now. Very quickly. <clears throat> Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Just before you go, two things. Number one, 
The next seminar, how to share the Adventist message in five minutes. Different content, but we expand on some of the things we've learned here, but ways to take it a step farther. The second thing is, if you appreciated this seminar, please do these three things with it. Use it. Share it with somebody else who can use it. And then rate it and say it was good so they might invite me back. Okay, go have a great seminar the rest of the day. You can stick around if you want, if you're going to stay for the next seminar. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.